are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, football fans, to another episode of Locked On NFL here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day with your Tuesday co-hosts, Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings and myself, Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. On today's episode of Locked On NFL, former 2005 first overall selection Alex Smith announced his retirement on Monday afternoon. We're going to talk about the legacy he leaves behind and discuss the career moments that stand out to us for better or perhaps for worse. Uh, players <laughs> uh, players across the NFL are opting out of in-person off-season workout programs as the first phase of OTAs gets underway on Monday. Why are teams and players opting out and what exactly are they opting out of? We'll clarify some misconceptions around this situation. Then our Tuesday fantasy forum, we're going to take a look at rookie drafts because they're on the way here as the NFL draft wraps up. So let's get you all ready for your dynasty leagues and let's talk about some of the most exciting rookies and their best possible landing spots with the help of our good friends Kate Medjuk and Marcus Mosher of Locked On Dynasty Football. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. Joined as always on Tuesdays by Luke Braun at Luke Braun NFL and this is Locked On NFL. So Alex Smith, after 16 NFL seasons, two of which complete that he did not even play in, so really 14 playing seasons, and 17 surgeries and one enormous comeback along with the 2020 NFL Comeback Player of the Year Award is hanging it up. At least for now. He announced in a very emotional video on his own Instagram page uh, that he's saying goodbye to the NFL. He reportedly had some offers, uh, chose to spend time with his family, his kids, uh, very important with them. They are the backbone of his recovery. There's no doubt about that. It's a very, very, very tight-knit family. So good for Alex Smith. Congratulations to the Smith family. He made his comeback as unlikely as that was, led Washington uh, to a 5-1 and record as a starter and helped them win the NFC East Division Championship. And don't forget about his performance on that Sunday night, week 17 in Philadelphia, especially in the first half. Without that, they don't win that game and they don't make the playoffs. And that's Chris Russell of Locked On Washington football team talking a bit about the big news from the day. Quarterback Alex Smith, first overall selection of 2005, announcing his retirement and what has been a busy retirement offseason so far here in 2021 NFL offseason. So, Luke, when you think about Alex Smith, his career, his legacy, what he leaves behind, what comes to mind for you? I think what comes to mind first for me is his time with the Chiefs. I think that's the most mm. like definitive Alex Smith. Like his time with San Francisco was an interesting story to say the least, because the first few years of his career were really, really, really rough, and he was kind of a testament to what can happen with your when you're patient with a quarterback, because it paid off when things got better in 2011 and even 2012 when he started that season, and mm-hmm. they ended up you know going to the Super Bowl with Kaepernick, but. I think with Kansas City, when he was just like a pretty good quarterback and and it brought them out of kind of franchise poverty, that is one of the hardest things to do in the NFL is to be a three and 13 team 
and turn yourself into something that is a consistent contender, not just find a way to sneak into the playoffs at, you know, nine wins or whatever, but to become a consistent, you know, we are always a team you don't want to play and we're always a team that you're going to be talking about in January. And that's what the Chiefs were with with Alex Smith. And because they had that and they weren't constantly kind of considering what if we pushed the nuke button, Mm -hmm. Uh, it allowed them to kind of patiently build an entire apparatus that when Patrick Mahomes came to Kansas City was uh, very, you know, ready to welcome him and to nurture him. And that machine, you know, when he got to take a red shirt year in 2017 and he comes in in 2018 and he wins MVP, that I think, and, and, you know, now he is who he is today. And I think, like, you can trace a lot of the history of the Chiefs back to Alex Smith. You can even trace a lot of the history of of other places in the league back to Alex Smith being traded to Washington, which made Kirk Cousins a free agent. And then that made the Vikings let uh, Case Keenum and, and Sam Bradford and Teddy Bridgewater all go, with it, which affected three teams quarterback uh, plans, probably affected the 2018 draft a ton, had a lot to do with where Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson ended up. So the, the ripple effects of all of this, I mean, there's a lot that when you're in the league for as long as he was 15 years, when you're right. in the league for 15 years. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of NFL happenings are going to be because you were able to carve out that career for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing good comes to mind for me. No, I'm I'm joking. Um, obviously, you think about the you think about the 2020 Comeback Player of the Year award. You think about what he just recently did. I, of course, host of Locked On Saints have seared that memory or two you want to yeah, seared, <laughs> seared into my memory <laughs> is the second most disappointing playoff exit i've ever seen in my entire life um the the first most of course being the nola no call but for new orleans who has a string of disappointing playoff exits much like a couple of other teams around the uh the nfl uh there are th- this one though the 2011 season where you'd learn that a minute 48 seconds is indeed too long uh and too early to score the saints finding a way to score uh, mm-hmm. a touchdown and you know jump out into the lead on a 66 yard touchdown to to Jimmy Graham with a minute 48 left on the clock and then to have Alex Smith complete a 47 yard catch and run to uh Vernon Davis on a second and 10 and then end up completing a 14-yard pass to Vernon Davis to, to score a touchdown and retake the lead with only 14 seconds left, which, Luke, fun fact, is not too early or too much time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> while a minute 48, more than certainly is. But, I mean, outside of my own, um, you know, therapy bills and things like that that have come along <laughs> with that, that playoff exit, what an incredible just uh, moment, a playoff moment in a divisional round of the playoffs. What an incredible moment brought to us all by Alex Smith as a part of his career, knocking off what was a juggernaut in the NFL in the 2011 season with the New Orleans Saints, putting up the most you know yards at that time, total offensive yards, 7,474 yards in a season up until that 2015 season by the Denver Broncos an incredible performance there and then we saw those heroics all the way up until his final season in the nfl just making it back onto the football field period was heroic and him just making a decision here to say hey this is it i'm gonna hang it up yeah and i mean you know understandably so once you've gone through what he went through after that 2018 injury Right. That Joe Seisman esque. I mean, even in the, the the alternate uniform, that was such a, a bleak kind of gut wrenching, nauseating moment. 
Yeah. And to come back from that, even though it took him two years to have that kind of perseverance. What a journey. Yeah. Like, there's something to, I mean, it's it's a, a phenomenal physical achievement, right? Just to, you know, be able to, to like, be that steadfast in your rehab and all that stuff. But the persistence mm-hmm. of that is something that kind of, it, it feels like it, it sends a message beyond sport. I, I think I did this last week, too. I'm going to qu- quote Chris Wessling again, who said that sports at their best is look at what humans can do. Right. And that feels like one of those moments where sports was at its best. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. I cannot. <laughs> I, nothing to add. Well, in that case, then let's talk about some uh, win total, some over-under. Bet Online just put out some uh, win total over-under, some NFL futures. If you want to go get in on that at betonline.ag, free to set up an account, and you can enter promo code Locked On when you do your first deposit. You can get 50% off of your next order, and I want to talk about some of these. Uh, <laughs> so, personally, I think the biggest one for me that I just immediately hammered was Carolina under seven and a half wins because yeah. I just do not believe in Sam Darnold. And I think if you, if, if Sam Darnold isn't the quarterback, it means they took someone at, uh, what is it? Pick eight. Mm-hmm. And that someone is like the fourth or fifth guy that, you know, whichever guy you don't, you believe in the least, right? Whichever the guy, the NFL ends up believing in the least. Is that Mac Jones? Is that Trey Lance? Who's not going to be ready? Uh, right. is that, you know, is that Justin? If it's Justin Fields, I would feel I'm a bigger fan of Justin Fields, so I would feel yeah. a little bit. But I hammered seven, under seven and a half for Carolina. Yeah. What'd you get? I don't blame you there. I went ahead and jumped in on uh, Indianapolis Colts nine and a half because neither of us, speaking of quarterbacks we don't trust, Carson Wentz is now the quarterback mm-hmm. within Indianapolis. That's not one that we're really uh, ride or die for at the moment, but I will uh, happily put a little bit of money on the under on that one. Nine and a half for the Indianapolis Colts. That was an easy call. That is betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, NFL fans, the Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. So catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft and Draft Dudes podcasts for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more information about our live NFL Draft coverage. Luke, we have a ton going on here across the Locked On Podcast Network, and it has been a ton of fun. But as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On NFL, before we get to OTAs and the opt-outs that are going on across the virtual in-per- or excuse me, the in-person uh, off-season workouts, I want to talk really quickly, piece of news that came out earlier today, Alden Smith, warrant coming out for his arrest in a parish in Louisiana. I had nothing to do with it. The Seattle Seahawks have turned around and put out a statement mentioning basically that they don't have... Any that they that they're aware of it, but don't have any comment on it at this time. This just feels like patience, wait, see what happens with this situation. That's how teams are always going to handle this kind of thing. Um, with the the Seahawks, I mean, yeah, patience is going to be the best way to to do this. You don't want to do anything knee jerk with Alden Smith specifically, and somebody with his history and the the suspension that kept him out of the league for so long. Obviously, it's that much more concerning. But mm-hmm. there's nothing we can really say other than wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. But it happened. It's news. So we'll continue to talk about it as it uh, as we gather more details and as things become more clear. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, the opt outs across the NFL 17 team rosters, right? These are decisions being made by the players, not by the organizations, but you can pretty much guarantee that all of them are with organizational support, right? They're part of a decision that is made with the team and in conversation with the team. But 17 rosters, teams, players uh, choosing to opt out of in-person off-season workouts, the 
first phase of OTAs began on April 19th on Monday, which is really to strengthen conditioning. No on-field work is set to begin until the second phase, which is with May 17th. And then, of course, there's rookie mini camps, which can, ha- which can happen for basically three days, essentially a weekend, the first or second weekend after the NFL draft. So let's talk a little bit about why we're hearing that some of these players are opting out, because some folks are referencing this as a boycott, but it doesn't really feel that way. It feels just more like an opt-out or something that's already voluntary. Yeah, so it's not a boycott because that would imply that there is some sort of conflict here. But this has all been pre-negotiated that it is an option available to players and that they're taking it. And even in some uh, some cases, like the most recent one as of this recording is my Vikings, who gave the players the option of doing every off-season program and every activity and all the workouts and everything virtually. They don't have to do any mm-hmm. of it in person. And so they came out with a statement through the NFLPA that said, OK, we're taking that option. Um, and that is the case. I think the Packers also have done something similar. There are some uh, some franchises that, you know, their players, I believe the Saints are just mm-hmm. not going to do any uh, offseason stuff. And I think the Broncos are also just saying that we're not doing any offseason stuff. Obviously, that kind of thing can change as you say, OK, well, uh, you know, we'll, we'll change our COVID protocols or we'll retool this or whatever. And, and you can negotiate right. that. Um, but this is all voluntary work that the, you cannot reprimand them for not showing up. And not showing up is a pre-negotiated option that is available to them for if they want to exercise, they can exercise it. And I think that the two reasons is what's most interesting here. Mm-hmm. Do you are, are you doing this because of COVID protocols not being uh, uh, strict enough because they the NFL has tried to relax them since right. a lot of people are vaccinated and and the the pandemic is in a much more sure state than it was this time last year. Mm-hmm. So if you think that the NFL relaxed them too much and you don't want to you know put yourself and your family in danger, you might be doing it for that reason. Or is it because without those offseason programs and the NFLPA cites this, a twenty three percent reduction in missed time injuries and a thirty percent reduction in concussions. In an in a uh, a season with no off season workouts or preseason games, and mm-hmm. so is there something to be said for maybe this is actually better for players? I think you got to do a lot more research into it to be able to find sure. that answer. But that's what the players are kind of citing as a reason to maybe not do all this. And a lot of the the in person workouts, you could go to a high school and get a similar regimen, maybe not as nice of equipment or something like that, but you can make it work. Mm-hmm. And so that that I think is is uh, more the the point here. And we'll see if anything comes to a head when they actually have to report come training camp in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and notice too that when we mentioned that these are voluntary workouts, we're not trying to say that these are, you know, meaningless or that the players wouldn't usually show up for these because in fact, most of the time players would show up for the voluntary workouts. In fact, a lot of them have bonuses attached some already have up to those. Yeah, absolutely. And so some of them that may have that already on their contracts that was negotiated through previous years over the course of the life of their contract. And they're now making this decision with their organizations to opt out. The New Orleans Saints are indeed one of the teams that ended up deciding to opt out. And they cited the second purpose that you mentioned, or the second reason that you mentioned being that they felt that it was better for the health and safety with things like concussion numbers, uh, soft tissue injury recovery and rehabilitation time, all decreasing after, you know, having virtual off-season programming last year. We saw JC Treader, the NFLPA president, also mention that uh, to in, in reference to membership and everything. So we're seeing that as well as the, uh, as you mentioned, the active sort of 
opt out because of the relaxation of COVID protocols. We're also, I imagine, and I've heard a little bit about this, but we'll see exactly what actually takes place. But some of the NFL teams are reportedly also considering turning their sites into vaccination sites for their players and everything as Mm -hmm. well. So that could be something that ends up being a part of the program because you get your first shot, then there's time before you get your second shot, things like that. So that could continue to be a part of the way that the offseason program is working out as well. But phases one, two, and three all come out to about nine weeks. Phases phase one is for a total of four weeks. Phase two, which is where you can get into some uh, get into some field work, is one week from May seventeenth through May twenty first, and then the final four weeks would be the third phase, May twenty fourth through June eighteenth, which allows you to get a little bit more in terms of the traditional OTA program, which will take place over ten days over that time. So that's really what you're looking at in terms of the OTAs. But right now, still very much in the uh, voluntary workout strength and conditioning phase of the offseason. Yeah, and that, that's a nitty gritty breakdown, right? And I think for the most part, uh, most fans don't need to know exactly where everybody's going to lift weights. Uh, right. and, and all of the and teams don't even really need you to lift weights in their building. So long as you're getting the regimen done and players can hold each other accountable for all that. That was part of the Vikings statement um, was that like, we're going to make sure we get the, the regimens we're supposed to get done here. We're not just taking time off. We're right. just deciding to do it in a place with fewer people around mm-hmm. and uh, or, you know, deciding to do it on our own time in our own pace, you know, in a, an environment we're more comfortable with so that we can uh, try to do it in a healthier way. Um, that, that's so it's not necessarily a need to know kind of thing. But what is a need to know thing, at least as I'm familiar with it, is that you should get your oil changed in your car every 5,000 miles or about six months. That's the rule of thumb that I'm familiar with. Make sure you get your oil changed. You can even do it yourself. If you want to save a buck, look up some YouTube videos, learn how to do it. And when you go to buy that oil, you can do so at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family company. They have an unbelievable and expansive catalog of everything you could possibly need for your car, from parts to supplies uh, to accessories like an ice scraper in the winter if you live in the cold north so head on over to rockauto.com and if you enter your make your year and your model they will sort everything out through you through that massive catalog and make sure they're only recommending parts that are compatible with your car you can get oil that way and you can save a buck because if you go to a brick and mortar auto shop and try to get oil there they will upsell you as a retail customer that's the way that those places work they have separate prices for their retail walk-in customers versus their wholesale buyers rock auto gives everybody the same price so you stand to gain a buck that's at rockauto.com at checkout make sure you let them know that lock on sent you and how you heard about a section rock auto amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need god tier segue super happy so good it was so buttery smooth all right nfl fans we are wrapping up today's episode with our tuesday fantasy form but before we get there you have got to go and check out the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by locked on and odyssey which is going to feature analysis from nfl experts insiders and Folks like Hall of Famer, the playmaker himself, Michael Irvin. You also got Jason LaConfora. You've got Brian Baldinger, the king of breakdowns himself, as well as all of our local experts for every team making the trades and picks for all the stars for your favorite team. So make sure that you search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, Luke, one of the biggest questions ahead of the draft and what we at least got a a little bit of a sneak peek from Brian 
uh, Peacock's ideas from Locked On 49ers is where the 49ers were going to go in the NFL draft, where they go Justin Fields, where they go Mac Jones at three. Our good friend, Kate Majuk, as we jump into our fantasy form here and we take a look at some of the most exciting players, believes very much that the 49ers should go one of those directions over the other, and she believes it emphatically. Here's what she had to say. If there is one team where I could send Justin Fields to in the NFL, it has to be the 49ers. I think for all of the reasons that we hear hype about Trey Lance with the 49ers and what he could accomplish as a rusher with Kyle Shanahan and just the the dynamic zone schemes he puts up, he... I really think that all of those those positive qualities regarding the rushing ability do apply to Fields. I think he's just such an underrated rusher. Do I think uh, maybe the Trey Lance narrative could have uh, just more speed in terms of designed runs? Yes, I think he has more potential there. But don't underestimate Justin Fields as an athlete. Mm-hmm. And I do think he's such a good passer that, I mean, he's... I think he's very uh, capable of of working in that scheme, especially with the the receiving core. Look, I could not agree more with Kate. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, from an on field perspective, I think if you for Kyle Shanahan, what that offense has been missing is a deep ball. You haven't really had it with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know, you, of course, you never had it with like Nick Mullins or ZJ Beathard or whoever they had to trot out because of injuries for two of the last three years. And you have guys like George Kittle. I think Brandon Ayuk could be a, a mm-hmm. deep player if you really wanted him to. You have a lot of weapons there. And if you look at the other wide zones in the league, like the Rams and the Packers and even the Vikings, Titans, you know, these are home run hitting offenses. And, uh, you know, the 49ers have only ever had that ability when it's somebody making a play after the catch, like George Kittle. Mm-hmm. Having the the arm and the accuracy that Justin Fields has, I think not only is that great for on the field, and what that, but what that means for fantasy is that all of these guys, I think, would inflate their ADOT. And and oh, all definitely. of them mean, and that means that that their ultimately their their scores would inflate too. You would have, I think, a little bit more trust in your your pass catchers. Um, so you would be able to, I think, see a, a tick up in volume as well. Um, I, I think if you compare that to somebody like Trey Lance, and I think if you draft Trey Lance, I know I'm one of those people that thinks Trey Lance maybe will need a year just because he's he's just so young and he, there's so few there's so few games starts. to go off of too. Yeah. yeah. You know, give him a year of experience if you want, and maybe you don't get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. So you kind of, at least for next year, keep that status quo. And if it's Mac Jones, um, and Mac Jones ends up starting in 2021, then I think you have a much more like kind of PPR centric, and all these guys are like kind of after catch players. And I don't mm-hmm. know if it does a lot for their fantasy value. So I think both on field and in fantasy, I want to see nothing more than Justin Fields to San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I- I cannot wrap my head around the idea of San Francisco trading up to three for any other quarterback than Justin Fields. And it would drive me absolutely wild if they didn't draft Justin Fields in this. But you just look at somebody that has the ability to elevate everything San Francisco 49er when it comes to fantasy Mm -hmm. football. And Justin Fields absolutely can do that. And you, of course, get him as an option as a passer, but also as a runner as well, who has a little bit of finesse, but also is over 215, 220 pounds, who can run through some folks, welcomes contact, sometimes too much, but he's somebody that can continue to also produce as one of those dual threat quarterbacks in this Kyle Shanahan system, which we haven't gotten to see with Kyle Shanahan just yet. So this would be really, really 
really, at least in this environment. So this would be a very exciting fit for San Francisco and Justin Fields. Yeah, and depending on the front you go up against on a on a given play, you know, bootleg can turn into a thirty yard run if yeah. they don't have you know the the backside edge doesn't cover it right. So that yeah. you know if you have that athleticism to cash that in, um, that can be and and what like Kate says, he's an underrated runner, um, mm-hmm. and I I think that that can also be like a, a big uh, value thing. But speaking of uh, maybe underrated runners, I want to talk to you about Najee Harris, yeah, and the possibility of uh going to atlanta which marcus mosher talked about i think you put him in that offense with arthur smith and all those weapons and matt ryan and you are getting an elite level running back we saw what arthur smith did for derrick henry over the last couple years he made him you know the league's leading rusher and i think he's a far better receiving player than what you know derrick henry is Uh, uh we saw you know in Atlanta before even a washed up Steven Jackson playing with Matt Ryan had some value. I think that's who uh, Najee compares favorably to. You put him in that Atlanta offense where they have so many weapons and defenses can't key on him, and he's catching 40, 50, maybe even 60 passes as a rookie. I absolutely love it. He's in a dome. Uh, he's on an offense without really any competition at running back. It's Mike Davis and Quadre Olison. Uh, that would be my ideal landing spot. And I think if that were to happen, Kate, we are talking about, I think, pretty easily a top, oh, I don't know, 10, 9 running back in Dynasty. I feel like Atlanta's offense is one of, is like magical nirvana where everybody who goes to Atlanta's <laughs> offense, it's like the promised land. It's the fountain yeah. of youth. Where mm-hmm. you know you're going to go on an offense with with Matt Ryan and uh, you know, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley taking all the attention and all that stuff and basically anybody else that ends up there it's a perfect fit. Yeah, yeah, and and Najee Harris certainly would be a perfect fit in this offense. You take into consideration the fact that they could potentially and you know it, it depends on how they gather uh, uh, Najee Harris as well, right? Do they get him early in the second round? Do they trade back into the first and grab him? Perhaps Do they trade back right. from four so they can get him. If they get him in the second round or trade back into the late first to grab him, let's say with the Kansas City Chiefs, for instance, at 31, the thing that's very exciting about yeah. that is that you probably add Kyle Pitts at four. You add Najee Harris later on in the draft. Now, all of a sudden, you have this offense that you, as a defense, are almost always going to be light in the box because you have to pay yeah. attention to Russell Shepard, you have to pay attention to uh, Calvin Ridley, to Julio Jones, to both of these tight ends or one or the other, whoever's on the field, whether it's Kyle Pitts and or uh, Hayden Hurst, whether or not you have that slot receiver out there. It's going to be a light box for the most part because you have to have folks that can defend all of these players as pass catchers. That opens up a lot of opportunities for Najee Harris to be able to run through a lighter defense and he's a little bit more of a powerful guy than I think we like to give him credit for and of course he's a good receiver as well and catch out of the backfield so that's one of the things that really benefits for him and the other part too that I'll mention is that there will be uh you know touchdowns to go around because Julio Jones doesn't catch him so uh okay <laughs> okay all right I had to get one in I had to get one in that's uh, fair that's fair but, you that's, know all's fair in love and war yeah, but I truly believe that like Najee Harris in that offense with those weapons, that's a really, really good opportunity for him to be effective immediately. All right. So tomorrow, Tony and uh, James Rapine are talking about uh, the draft with somebody from the stable of Locked On NFL draft experts. You can get these guys are busy this time of year, huh? They're very busy uh, this time of year. <laughs> you can find them in a lot of places. So make sure you go check that out. For Ross Jackson, I'm Luke Braun. Thank you guys so much for hanging out on the Locked On NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.